What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Benny and Chris Talk Sports. I'm Chris. I'm Ben. And we're here to bring you our opinions on the news, notes, and happenings from around the world of sports. Episode 105. Ben is sitting here wearing the sunglasses indoors. It is uh, not sunny out, if you're wondering. Um, windows are open, even. He's sitting with the light behind him. Consistency. Uh, and, and he still has his sunglasses on like he thinks he's Maverick from Top Gun. We're going to roll with it because at least he's coherent. So let's do it. On today's episode, some MLB news. Uh, the hot stove is not nearly what it normally is this time of year, uh, but we did have a signing today, and a big trade could potentially be happening. Uh, unfortunately, I think we jinxed poor Joe Burrow last week with our praise of him. Uh, we're going to discuss his injury and what that means going forward. The Baltimore Ravens, um, if anybody's seen them, tell them the season started. Because whoever's dressing up like them and playing is not the Ravens without we were going to see. And NBA apparently has absolutely no fear of a reduced salary cap next season amongst all of the uh, uh, the lack of revenue from COVID. Uh, and Banker Tank, Ben, not dreading it this week. No, no. Uh, but he also didn't make up any ground. We'll get into that later. First, baseball. Real quick, uh, today the Braves signed uh, Charlie Morton, Mr. Game 7. Guy won two Game 7s for the Rays in this past postseason to a one-year $15 million deal. It's a good signing. It's a really good signing. It's a, it's a team with a good offense. Some really good young offensive players, some decent young pitchers. Uh, didn't they didn't perform so well in the playoffs from a pitching standpoint? Um, and you know, this is a guy who you know this season's kind of an outlier. It was kind of weird in a lot of ways. Uh, his stats weren't what they have been the previous three or four years. He's really come on later in his career. They've been a pretty consistent guy. Raves are Raves are pretty much middle of the road. An ERA, whip, hits allowed. And Morton is very solid in these categories. He's a guy who could really help their young pitching staff develop. Absolutely. And I think this opens the door for a trade acquisition. It opens the possibility that if uh, one of these young kids is not ready, that they can actually send them back down and, and give them more time because Charlie Morton's, like you said, solid, dependable. Mr. Game 7. So I, I think this this may not be the end for the Braves, um, pitching staff-wise, but it, it's a great great middle-of-the-rotation guy to kind of just bring those pieces together. If, if And, and we'll, we'll jump into it right now. Maybe they make that move for Blake Snell. Yeah, according to the Rays, they're willing to shot Blake Snell. If there's a team that has a plethora of young talent in the minors that is just wanting to move the next that next step, why not bring Blake Snell in when you've already signed Charlie Morton, who've been teammates for the past two years, I think? I think two years. Yes, two years. Two or three. It, it, two. Two. And and maybe maybe it's not Blake Snell, but I mean, that's the kind of move you're looking at for if you're the Braves, is you have uh Sorkin, and then um, I saw it on the the link. Oh, but they have a uh, Sorkin, and then a couple other young kids. 
that I'm just not remembering. And, and they have talent. And their offensive arsenal with uh, Damsey Swanson. I'm trying to think of the other, the two other kids, um, the second baseman and the center fielder. And God, they're on the tip of my tongue, and I can't think of them. I think, I think it's a good signing for them. It's a solid, solid move. I want to correct myself. Uh, I said that uh, Charlie Martin won two postseason Game 7s. He won two Game 7s this year. He did not. He won one this postseason and two back in 2017. Yeah, I know he had three total, and it was the first ever to have three Game 7s victories ever for a starting pitcher. Yeah, I mean, I think Snell, I don't know. They have them them for uh, relatively affordable money, but this is what teams like the Braves do, unfortunately, when uh, Braves. (laughs) This is what teams like, I got Charlie Martin out of mind now, so I'm thinking Braves. Teams like the Rays have to do, unfortunately, when they're smaller market teams. I think they signed for like a six-year, $60 million deal, which, I mean, to you or I or pretty much anybody else listening is, is crazy money, but it's peanuts for a baseball team. Right. And I guess he signed a contract because he did have some injury issues. I think he's proven that he's been able to stay healthy. So I think they see the writing on the wall. He's going to want a better extension probably pretty quick. And he he's a good pitcher. He's a really good young pitcher. They can flip him for something really nice they can use. And if the Rays have proved anything, it's they can flip their current stars. I don't think they'll be afforded to keep for future players oh, yeah. who you know can make an impact, which is why every couple of years you kind of see them go through this cycle where those players develop and then they're competitive and in the playoffs and then they might drop off for a year or two and then they come back. So, I mean, I'm not really surprised. Uh, I, I'd be surprised if they don't get something really, really good for them. Uh, but... I don't know. I don't know if I really expect anything to happen in the offseason. I think until, you know, certain certain things happen, like teams kind of know what their revenue share will be, you're not going to see anybody bring him in. I don't think you're going to see an extension for him for a few years at least. But a team could bring him in knowing that if they want to keep him, they're going to have to pay him you know, a pretty handsome amount once, once a couple years goes by. I have no idea what the structure of his contract is. Uh, because I know I know he signed it about I think it was two years ago, so I think that's like four years and forty million left on it. But baseball contracts are so convoluted that you, it's it's it can be hard to <laughs> explain them within the confines of one podcast. Trust right. me. And I think you're right on the Rays. They they tend to they tend to position themselves when they want to trade somebody. They give it's like two three years. That the team is going to acquire him and have him for. They know it's more valuable that way. Right. That's why they got, example, they traded Chris Archer, which was a lopsided deal. And they got Austin Meadows and they got Tyler Glass now, who have both performed amazingly well for the Tampa race, as opposed to Chris Archer, who had semi-dud postseason run. And then uh, I don't even think they made the postseason that, that, that first year. And then the... The next year he did not have a great season, and then this 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 off season, uh, I know I don't think he opted out. I think he had, I want to see Tommy John. I don't know. I don't. I, I know. I know he got injured, and he's going into his free agent year now. It's just. It's just. They're going to trade Blake. I think they think they'll trade Blake Snell. No doubt. Um, they're going to get great value for him. Pay attention to what they get. Because those are going to be the players 
that are going to be the future of the race because it's the same thing. They did it with David Price. Uh, they did it with James Shields. Obviously, uh, Chris Archer. Am I forgetting anybody else? I mean, um, Barnes. Um, Barnes who? No, he, he, uh, he got traded to the... He got traded to the Cubs, and then the Cubs traded him to the San Francisco Giants. And I did the name is escaping me right now. It, it's we're talking, we're talking when they their first World Series run that far back. I know they had Evan Longoria. No, this is a pitcher. Matt, I don't know. Uh, Moore, Matt Moore. They traded him the same the same thing. They acquired yep. him in a in a, de- in a crazy deal, and they flipped him up like a year. They drafted Matt Moore. Did they draft Matt Moore? Yeah. I thought they got. I thought they traded. They traded for him. No, but they flipped them the same way. It's the same thing. It's the same pattern, and it doesn't really matter who the GM is, or the president is, or the manager is. It's just that's the culture. Well, the, the owner, the owner clearly oh, knows. Yeah. Okay. The owner clearly knows what their limitations are as a small market team, or you know, even if he's rich, he doesn't want to. Right. You know, just put the money into it if he doesn't have to. So I think I think that's a case of whoever comes in here is going to know this is what they have to deal with, make it work. And this is how you, this is how the people before you know you have um, uh, Andrew Friedman with the uh, Dodgers now. Where was he before? Tampa Bay Rays. So he's kind of mixed that big budget spending, but and also trying to integrate young kids in a nice farm system because Dodgers have a nice farm. Well, had a nice farm system. Obviously, their kids have come up well, they don't need it when they're just buying it right they can. right but that's the mindset of, and andrew friedman is i'm still gonna build this farm system because i still need that and that's what that's what the rays but that's what the rays gms do i same example of uh, charm bloom with the uh, red sox now he's gonna have that same mentality of, of build through the the system that's what the rays do and that's what they that's what their gms go out and do when they when they are when they go out to other teams it's Trade these players before their 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 value goes down. It's it's a Bill Belichick mindset. Trade them a year before, as opposed to a year to, or a year yeah, too early than a year too late. Except Belichick's huge championships, right? That's true. Uh, if if you have to, mm-hmm. if you had to decide, you've already stated you think Snow gets moved. Oh yeah, where do you think he goes? I do like the Braves. Um, they have the young players to be able to get them. If, that that if, makes sense. They do. They do. Um, Mets would be a, a, an interesting move, but they don't have a GM, and they've and they don't have a president or a GM, and it seems like they're in flux. But a team like s- Cleveland, I gotta, I gotta say, Cleveland's a nice option. Minnesota, Toronto. You know what? That actually make, that makes a lot of sense because they can they have the young it. players to get them right and still be successful. Some decent young pitchers, good bullpen. They could be an ace away from making a run. The only thing is, do the Rays trade someone of Snell's caliber in division? Oh. Baseball is a little bit different than football. You do it see is. in division trades more often. It is, but I, it would have to be for a very, very nice turnaround. I would say if I'm the if I'm the Rays, I say, look, you want a deal, great, and I understand you're not going to trade Guerrero. I, w- I wouldn't expect it to no, trade Guerrero. No, they're not trading any of those guys. You gotta have to put Taven Biggio in, or you have to put uh, Buchet. One of those two, and then you butchered both of those names. I did. 
I did. I try. I was trying on the on the on the fly. And I haven't I haven't seen their names in front of me in a while, so I, I'm. They they have a lot Bichio, of. I get, but how'd you undo Bichette? I don't know. I don't know. Um, what about the sunglasses? Aren't working. There's also that. Kid, I, I told you I'm off today. I am completely off today. I know we've announced that to the listeners. Let's continue with the show. They have that uh, that outfielder, um, Tosco Hernandez. I yep. think it is. I, they, I, they they have a lot. Oh of, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're real deep I, up there. I yeah. pull three, three guys, at least one major league already in the system that still has a lot of service time, and two minor league, high end minor leaguers. That's what I asked for. I think Other, for for a Snell, as young as he is under contract, still, yeah. I think that's pretty reasonable. Honestly, and, I and, would do that. And and that would be for any team in the uh, AL. In L, I might be, I might give a little bit. I wouldn't. You don't have to. No, you don't have to. But if the deals, but I think I think the deals will be there. Like they are going to field a lot of offers, and they're going to have to, they're going to do their due diligence and still select the right one. I think long, I think Toronto is the best location for Blake Snow. As long as whatever injury it was that caused him to get that discounted contract from right. the Rays years ago, as long as that doesn't rear its ugly head, and teams check the medicals and they say he's clean there. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna get you're gonna see a king's ransom go to Tampa Bay for for Blake Snell. I don't think this is gonna be the arch arch Chris Archer kind of 2.0. I think this will be, you know, James Shield s. This will be a David Price s. Yeah. Where both teams will benefit. David Absolutely, Price yeah. Went yeah. to um, went to Toronto. Was it Toronto or no? It was, yeah, it was Toronto because they would traded from Toronto to Detroit. Yes. Um, and but he went to Toronto and they. Went to the playoffs. They went pretty deep. And they never made the World Series. Um, that was Incarnacion. That was uh, Batista. Those those years. He went in there and he anchored that team until the playoffs. I think you'll get that kind of, of, of trade-off where Rays will get a, a clutch of nice young talented players. And the Blue Jays will get their front-end starter for, do you say, four years? I believe so. I believe he has four years left on it. At least three, if not four years. Yeah. I, I, it's a, I take that. I take it as a win. You could even restructure after a year or two and, and, and give him a little bit more to make him happier. But let's uh, – I know it came down to rundown in the beginning of the show. We're speaking about contracts and money and things like that. Let's let's switch it up. Yeah. Let's save the uh, the NFL stuff for last year before Panker Tank. Sure, keep sure. that all together and switch. Go to the NBA. Uh, the NBA, uh, when you have baseball crying broke – Football saying they may have record losses due to the fact that they can't have fans in attendance in a lot of stadiums. Uh, the NBA seems to be making it rain willy-nilly, just handing out max contracts left and right. Uh, four in the last three days, I believe you told me before we started. Yeah. I mean, and these are massive contracts. And Well, even the NFL has been doing that. I mean, I mean the Kansas City Chiefs are, are spending money like it belongs to somebody else. Uh, but... I don't know, man. Like, is this a case of uh, how if if all these other leagues are talking about how they're so concerned with money, mm-hmm. how is the NBA just handing these contracts out? Do you want the honest truth, or you want me to kind of? We're, we're, we're not here to BS. Okay, because there's a there's a little bit of a a money trail coming from China, so there's that. Um, oh, we just lost time for listeners, but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. It, it is honesty, though. Yeah. There is some money coming from China, and it's a heavy amount of money. Um, two, 
the max contracts are structured uh, to be the same throughout if you keep your own player, and they're the same if you sign a player from another team. So it's you know, uh, let's Jason Tatum signed for five one ninety five. There is escalators to make it. I think two hundred five or two ten. Good because he surely can't make it with one ninety five. Right, right, Poor guy. Right. Jeez. Uh, you have to hit. Up. Start a GoFundMe right after we record this show. <laughs> but but if he were to go to another team, he could only sign a four year. Um, and I don't know the numbers off the top of my head for what a four year would. But it'd be this the same kind of money right. per year. But it would only be four years because you can only sign a four year deal with uh, not the team you weren't with. I think, and I explained this to you before we started, it's teams try to get, they structure the contracts, they keep their their top talent, and then they just try to fit everyone else in underneath. You know, your role players, your mid to highs, and then your, your, your 12 through 15 roster spots. Those are, that's basically how they, they conform, configure their rosters. On each team, uh, again, this is the same thing as the NFL. You can find ways to finagle that money, move it around, and fit two, three max contract deals on one uh, salary cap. But I think the point you're trying to make is is how they're fitting it when it looks like they're not going to have fans, and I. I I think the, the 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 thing we have to remember is the NBA lost their their revenue in the playoffs only. Well, except for eight games in the um, regular season. They're projected to start in December. Uh, I think it's a week before Christmas. I think they they've settled on the week before week after Christmas. They've settled on I believe it, but I'm pretty sure it's the week before. I mean it. There's a lot of. There's a lot of NBA teams that are in states that don't allow fans still. Now you go and you look at the NFL. The Kansas City's got fans. You know Cleveland's got fans. Uh, the Florida teams have fans. It's like, but then you have California, Massachusetts doesn't have fans. This is how are they figuring out this money? I just. Uh, Tom Brady leaves and people stop showing up to games. Exactly. A bandwagon jumpers. Bunch of bandwagon jumpers. (laughs) I I just think they're, they're, unlike MLB, they've also figured out a way to get their revenue from other locations, is is the short and skinny of it. But still, I mean, how do you justify giving Jason Tatum 5 and 195? Well, I learned a long time ago, you. You stop justifying value of sports contracts because well, I don't think a lot of people realize this isn't just like money out of the goodness of your heart. This is how much money they make you on the back end. Like Patrick Mahomes got a five hundred million dollar contract. Right. He's probably gonna, you know, with the guarantees. We broke that down before. It's it's in past episodes. We're not gonna dig into that again. But I think he's guaranteed. Something the way the way the contract set up was like a little over three of that. Something like that. He's gonna make that way more than that. Yeah. For the team, whether it be av- revenue advertising or or merchandise sales, so they're paying him that as like, hey, we're paying you this up front, but everything on the back end with your name on it, we get. Right. 
That's what it's about. That's how it, that's how it unfolds. That's all you can say. How can you justify that? It's the same way as like there's people who do podcasting. People who do podcasting who make millions of dollars a year for talking into a microphone to people because oh, Joe Rogan. Yeah, Joe Rogan makes just on a hundred million dollar deal with Spotify. Right. Like, and like him or not, like that's it doesn't change the fact that it happened. So, I mean, because it, it, sponsors know millions of people listen to his show mm-hmm. and they pay him per episode a lot of money to promote that to everybody listening. So it's, we're going to pay you this up front and we're going to make a ton of money on the back end because a lot of your listeners are going to come get buy our product. Right. And that's how you can justify these big contracts. I think more than anything is, it's like, it, it, it's like when you go to, uh, when you have somebody with two bank accounts and they have a business account and they have a personal account. And then in the business account, you're like, oh man, I'm broke. I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know how I'm going to keep going. I don't know, you know, oh, I can't afford to do this, especially in this day and age. And a lot of people are uh, bigger companies have been taking money they didn't necessarily need. Um, I don't know how I'm going to continue. I need, I need help. I need this. And you look in their personal account, they got $10 million. Right. I just looked it up. And I don't know these numbers are rock solid. Mm-hmm. But it listed uh, pros, uh, the four major pro-American sports. The poorest, in quotations, owner is the Holt family, the owner of the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, they have a net worth of $200 million. Oh, boy. So they're just worth just over what Jason Tatum is now. Uh, the team value is $1.8 billion. So that, that net worth does not does not include all their assets. Right. Does not include all the money that moves around to make all this stuff that they, they're part of continue to function. Right. That net worth is what they have at the end of the day. That net worth is if they lost everything, they'd still have two hundred million dollars to live on. The team is valued at one point eight billion. That again isn't just a number they throw out willy nilly. That is what they're worth in advertising dollars. What they're worth uh, as far as attendance and, and, and merchandising, and that's going to take somewhat of a hit this year, but not enough for these teams to cry broke. So when 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 uh, Rob Manfred Center saying baseball suffered historic losses this season. Every one of these owners is still sitting there with hundreds of millions or billions in the bank. Nobody just owns a sports team. You don't. You don't. You don't just wake up one day. Oh, I want a sports team, and that's all you do. No, you have hundreds of millions or billions of dollars behind you. People who can also help you and invest in your team and stuff like that. There is all sorts of money. That's where it's coming from. Yeah, the revenue's not there right now. Trust me. Don't let these guys fool you. None of them are hurting. None of these leagues are hurting. They're all fine. It's all BS. So, by the way, yeah. uh, the richest owner, I mean. It's Jerry. No. No? Steve Ballmer of the Los Angeles Clippers. Oh, that doesn't surprise me. A net worth. A net worth. Oh, God. $74.1 billion. Like, what? Wh- what do you do? My God. I mean, I'm not look, look hey. I'm not I'm, I'm not here to criticize anybody for what they have financially. Right. Dude's got that, whatever however he got that, whatever. Uh, where is Jerry Jones? I'm really curious on that. Jerry Jones, Jerry Jones, Jerry Jones is number seven at eight point five billion. So if everything went away tomorrow and Jerry ceased to own everything else that he has, he still have eight point five billion dollars. So you could buy another team and not win with that one. Anything else on this? You'll no, move on. I'm good, man. 
All right. Well, we said Jerry Jones. Now we got to talk NFL. Unfortunately, this is not uh, not good news. Uh, the number one overall pick, a guy who Ben and I both agreed last episode would be our consensus rookie of the year, uh, despite uh, Justin Herbert's tremendous year so far. Although I have to be honest, even if Dwayne Herbert played this past weekend, even if Burrow did not get hurt, I think I think Herbert would have jumped him. Uh, Joe Burrow took a hit this past weekend. He his knee went one way, he went the other. Tore his ACL, MCL, other structural damage in the knee. Obviously out for the rest of the year. Uh, he seemed in good spirits. I mean, I think he'll be fine. He's a young guy. He'll bounce back. I don't think he has a history of knee problems. No. So, I mean, it, it's it's an, very unfortunate because, I mean, the Bengals definitely got the guy they've been looking for, and he's he's the future. He's the franchise. Um, but I have to wait till next year. Where do they go from here? I mean, it wasn't – honestly, it was just about building uh, a rapport with Joe Burrow – T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, offensive continuity, see where Joe Mixon fits in. It's just that was what this year was about, building the offense, building the structure, seeing what they needed. It really wasn't about wins because you're in the division with the Steelers, who are the Steelers. The Ravens, albeit the issues they've had, they're still better than the, the Bengals. And the Browns have been surprisingly well. So they're in a division where it doesn't it didn't look good for them to begin with, regardless that they have Joe Burrow, the number one pick. I think it was just about building. This kind of hurts it. Because it was about building offensive continuity with Joe, not just offensive continuity. So now you're gonna have Ryan Finley come in. And I don't know what that's gonna build for the future, how that, you know. It's going to build the affirmation that Joe Burrow's the guy. That's what it's going to build. The only thing that it will help is I don't think they're going to win another game this season. I wouldn't go that far. I'd have to look at the, uh, their um, their uh, schedule. If the Jets are on it, okay, they have a possibility. Um, if they face the Ravens or the Steelers end of the season and they, they bench their starters, maybe they have a possibility. They have the Jacksonville Jaguars still on the schedule? Maybe. If they have anybody from the NFC East, that's always a possibility. But the likelihood is that their their schedule is not going to be good. And offensively, I just don't see how productive they can be with Ryan Finley at quarterback, with Joe Mixon's injury issues, and... I just don't see how well it, it turns out for them. I think you're right as far as the season was about. It was about Burrow building a rapport with all these players, with T. Higgins, with Tyler Boyd. Who I think Tyler Boyd is. I think him and Higgins are, are, are you know, one, two, absolutely. Right. I think Boyd is more of the steady option, and, and Higgins is more of the bigger play option. Uh, but either way, those guys, along with Burrow and Mixon, they can shore up that offensive line. They got a really good future there in Cincinnati. And I think that also um, helps them in their draft because I, I've said this before. You know, Jamar Chase is going to be right. in the draft, top five pick, wide receiver with Joe Burrow at LSU. If Tyler Boyd shows what he's been showing, and it's, there's a nice rapport, there's no need to draft Jamar Chase when you have T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. Now you can go a different direction. 
add protection for Joe, add some def- a, a high-end defensive player that they need because they their best pass rusher, they what let go. Carlos done that. They just let go, right? They, well, they traded him. Oh, they did trade him. Okay. Yeah, they traded him to Seattle. Right. So there's clearly a need. So uh, that's going to stunt this. That's going to put some breaks on some some things, but. It will, but I don't think in, in such a negative way. I don't think it's it's that bad, and I'll tell you why. Um, well, first off, uh, you know, with Boyden Higgins, I'd, I'd be shocked if A.J. Green and John Ross are back next year. Um, I know John Ross might still be under contract, but that it, they'll let him go. They'll cut him. They'll find, they'll find a trade partner if they can for a seventh-round pick or, I don't know, a large pizza or something. Um, I'd go large pizza. And... So you have a solid core there. You have Joe Mixon. Right. Giovanni Bernard, you can do a lot worse as a backup than Giovanni Bernard. True. Uh, the offensive line is better this year, although obviously not great. Uh, so, yeah, you could absolutely go lineman instead of receiver. Um, here's my thing, though. Yep. You didn't have an offseason. True. Or, excuse me, training camp. You didn't have time in camp to build rapport with these guys. And Burrow still ended up playing the way he did at a very high level. And what was a very poor team last season. Mixon supposedly be back by week 14. Although, quite honestly, if there's any risk of him re-injuring himself. Why? There, and the team has two to three wins. There's absolutely no reason to bring him back. It doesn't make a lot of sense. You may see him be done for the year. Uh, you know, you have the receiver still. Um, I mean, Burrow, Burrow proved he's the guy. Yeah. He proved he can live up to the hype. He proved he has the talent to not only make it uh, make it in the NFL, but to potentially be higher up echelon in the NFL. Potential. That's future. We haven't seen it yet. We don't know. I think he has the ability to, though. You go into next season. Season didn't end the way he wanted to, obviously. You have an offseason. You have a training camp. You have a preseason, regardless of how many games it is. You have time to work with these guys in an offseason. You have a real rapport with them. And I know recovering from injury is going to slow some of that down for him, but he's going to be able to still be around the team, be around his teammates. Everyone will be able to work together. Yeah. And when they come back, they'll know whatever they did in the offseason to improve, whatever they whatever they did in the draft to improve, and all the talent they had you know, already this season with the receivers and Burrow and, and Mixon and everything. The future for this team is bright. This isn't a New York Jets situation where it's like, oh, God, where do we go? They have their quarterback. They have their running back. They have their receivers. They're a few pieces away from being a real competitive team. Now, being in the same division with Baltimore and the Steelers, does put a bit of a damper on that because they're not going to be in that league next year. But this could be a potential wild card team next year. They could compete for a wild card if everybody comes back healthy and can perform. So... Yeah, you would have liked to see Burrow play the entire season for numerous reasons. One, he's an exciting young player. That's reason number one. Uh, and two, to build even better rapport with some of these guys. I just I don't think it's all doom and gloom. I think there's a lot of good things he accomplished this year, a lot of good things he showed. And I think if you have a normal offseason next year, this Bengals team comes in even better than you saw him this year. I think the 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 biggest plus 
is you've had an extensive look at Tyler Boyd and what Tyler Boyd is on the field every week. A healthy, committed Tyler Boyd. Not saying he was commit, wasn't committed before, but healthy and committed to performing week in, week out. I think that alleviates the need to go get a high-end receiver in the draft. And obviously, you know, uh, Jamar Chase is the guy that they would go get. I think that gives you options in free agency, getting a veteran wide receiver, you know, been around the league a long time, knows the routes, knows, and that's just, just, and then he just needs to pick up certain things that, Joe does that other quarterbacks don't do. I don't have any examples of players at the moment, but think of your eight, nine-year veteran that you could pick up and, and comes in knowing they're the third option behind Tyler Boyd, behind T. Higgins, because clearly they're number one, number two. I think that just opens up the possibility. Get yourself a pass rusher. with that. It's going to be a top five pick, I think. So it's it's either a pass rusher or uh, a big offensive lineman. You know, there's no need for skill positions. No need for a, there's no linebacker. I don't think in that top the you know, top five spot. There's no secondary player that's going to be in that top five spot. You're looking at trenches. Go get yourself a pass rushing defensive end, unless you want to get it through the free agency, or get yourself a tackle guard. And just help beef up that line so Joe Burrow doesn't take another hit or takes more hits than he needs to. Oh, you mentioned uh, they may not win another game unless they play the NFC East. Oh, they and play the NFC East? They they do. Well, they just got done playing Washington, so they definitely play the NFC East. Okay. Uh, this coming weekend, they have the Giants. Okay. Then the Dolphins. Dolphins have been playing. I mean, this past weekend wasn't so great, but they, they've been playing real well as of late. That sucks that they don't get to face. Yeah, that'd be fun too, Burrow. That'd be a lot of fun. Uh, and then they have the Cowboys. So, Andy Dalton's big return to Cincinnati. Oh boy. Uh, the, and they have then they have their uh, sacrificial offering to the Steelers. Uh, the Texans, depending mm. on which Texans team shows up. You never know. Uh, and then they finish off with the Ravens. So and that might and that might be a need win for the Ravens. The way the Ravens have been playing for the past month and a half, they need to win all these. Right, because so. they are, as we discussed before the, the episode, they, they are in a, they're not in a good spot right now where it, it just takes a win or two and they're complete, because they're in the hunt right now. They're not, I don't believe if I looked at, I think I said the. No, they're not in the playoffs if it started today. Right, they're they're just outside because you have. Um, well, let's get into it. Let's let's we're done with Burrow. Right, let's, let's move let's, on to the Ravens. What is wrong with the Baltimore Ravens? Well, well, one disadvantage they have is that Steelers are Steelers again. But um, it only affected them one game, though. Well, I mean, I, I get that, but but I think there's added pressure because you just you're. As much as you could say you're not scoreboard watching, you're looking up and seeing the Steelers just clicking off wins and no losses. Like that that's that's I think that's part of, a little bit of it. The most of it is your running game is almost non existent. I understand what you're saying. So don't take this as I'm coming at you, because I, I think I think you, you could be right about that. Do you think this team's a little bit soft mentally? 
Because if you're paying attention, if you're not dealing with your business, if you're busy looking at another team on a scoreboard going, oh, God, if they win again, that means we have to, too, instead of just going, we're going to win no matter what. You are not a mentally tough team. And it does not, that does not sound like a John Harbaugh coach team to me. What were those comments uh, Lamar said a couple weeks ago that the defense knows their defense is yelling out their own their own um, their own plays to them at the line of scrimmage? All right, and and, and they played it off, and then the, what Greg Roman played it off like they always did that, and it's only you can only hear it now because you know there's no fans in the stadiums. Like, why would why why is Lamar like I like Lamar Jackson? I wanted the Patriots to to, to, to draft him. I don't know why I have to justify my statement here, but. Why are you saying that at all? Like, why do you need to say, why are you the only quarterback who has stated that in all the NFL? And we, we, we've, we've trashed uh, Tom Brady's inability to throw the deep ball. We've, we've trashed Cam Newton's inability to throw the ball. Right. Baker Mayfield just Being Baker doesn't, Mayfield. doesn't know how to you know, complete passes in a consistent basis. He has three good games. He thinks he's Joe Montana. He starts talking and he sucks. So, so I don't know why he needs to say that. I, 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 there's a possibility that they're soft. They're, they, they are a, they are prototypical front running team. Yeah. Why, the, why did yeah. the Titans beat them in the playoffs last year? They got behind and they couldn't come back. What, and that's the difference between yeah. that's the difference between the Ravens and the Chiefs because the Chiefs all three games, except they, way behind. Wait, wait. I think, except for the Super Bowl. Oh, they got behind by 10. Okay. I was going to... Like was, five I, minutes left, they were down by 10. So, but in the other three games, they were 20, 20 down at some points? Or they, the two games. Right. But in a blink of an eye, in one quarter, they're putting 21 on the board. Oh, yeah. Without even... Without even blinking. Like, what just happened? That's the difference between the Chiefs and the Ravens. If the if the Ravens get get rolling, get out in front, look out. But if you can you can punch them in the mouth and, and put up 10, 13, 14 points by halftime, and now they're they're trying to they're trying to beat you in the passing game, they don't have the receivers. They don't have the receivers. Their their best tight end is one of the I would we would agree one of the top tight ends in the league. Oh, for sure. Yeah, Mark Andrews is legit. Their number two tight end now plays in Atlanta, who they decided to trade away. Yeah, but he wasn't that good. No, but it was a part of that that three tight end set that was very important to the offensive set. I'm not no no, I'm not arguing that. I'm yeah. just saying they can replace that talent. No, they didn't. That, that's what I mean though. That, that's what I'm saying. Like they, they could have. But they didn't. But they didn't, which is on them, obviously. And they went all in with Mark Ingram. On his first year, which worked majority of the time, they had Gus Edwards, they had uh, Justice Hill, they drafted J.K. Dobbins, which was a great move, but it just seems like they're they're a step behind. They just they're almost in their own way at this point, and it could be that they're just not mentally prepared. To get punched in the face because they're not the big bad Ravens on the block anymore. Because they're looking up, and I'm telling you, that I think it's a factor. They're looking up at the Steelers, and the Steelers have four more wins than them. And it could almost lose the rest of the season and not have to worry. 
and coast to a, a division title and a, a, a first round bye. It's insane. And I just I and and there's another factor. The Browns are I have a better record than them. Which I understand. Well, they have the tiebreaker, so I won't worry about that too right. much. But 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 the Browns are winning a few more. I've won one more game than than the Ravens. I mean, just because they have the tiebreaker, you still have to have the, at least the same record. Well, obviously, that wouldn't be a tie. That was a little, that was a little John Madden right there. Yeah, thanks, Traducan. <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, look, all those things you pointed out are valid. Um. I would argue I was kind of playing devil's advocate there, kind of mm-hmm. trying to pick them apart a little bit. Like, this team shouldn't be having the problems they had. They shouldn't be. They designed this. They designed an offense around Lamar Jackson. They admitted that. They said that, which yeah. is smart. Because you have a star player with that kind of athleticism. You should, especially at a key position like quarterback, you should plan your offense around him. You're not, you're not, you're not gonna have a, a Green Bay style offense with Lamar Jackson. So you're gonna have something that fits Lamar. And Lamar is such an impressive athlete that, I mean, he's a video game come to life. But it's 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 kind of the problem that any really great athlete has a, has a quarterback. It's why do you think the greatest quarterbacks in NFL history are guys like Peyton Manning and Tom Brady and Drew Brees? I mean, guys that might I mean Brees can move around a little bit. But all these guys are, are, are pretty much pocket passers. And when you're – you got a guy like Lamar, it's a, kind of like a guy like a Michael Vick, yeah. uh, even a Colin Kaepernick, where it's like they're as impress, impressive as hell to watch. But after you see it for a season or two, it's like, all right, there's like six different plays there. Legitimately. And that's where two things come into play. And Michael Vick admitted that he did not put his head in the playbook in Atlanta. Yeah, it was busy with it somewhere else. Correct. Um, I think I don't think that's the problem with Lamar. I think, and I think I brought this up um, a couple episodes ago. The Ravens missed on their wide receiver draft. Yeah. With with Hollywood Brown, they missed on him thinking he was going to be the answer, that he was going to be a Steve Smith type. Um, insert your, you know, Antonio Brown. You know, an underset, on a, funny enough, he's related to Antonio Brown. Is he? Yeah. Um, cousin. Oh, okay. I believe his cousin. Um, but a guy that can take the top off the defense, which he can, uh, and... and I just don't think they've gelled like you expected them to. Like, you can understand their rookie season. Like, he's a rookie. Not everyone, like, even DK and and AJ Brown didn't have great rookie season. They had great rookie seasons for rookies, but they didn't have great wide receiver seasons. And who else am I forgetting? There's the, the, the trifecta DK, AJ Brown, Harry. No, they actually had a good season. I don't know. Yeah. AJ Brown? Oh, Debo. Oh, Debo. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I just think, I look at it, is it because Hollywood Brown is not 
that elite receiver? Or is the offensive structure, which is circled around, as we pointed out, Lamar Jackson in the running game, just doesn't work well with Hollywood Brown? Well, here's the thing. I think it's very it's obvious to me, at least, this is an offensive problem, not a defensive problem. Because you can say, oh, well, they lost four games. Yeah, because the offense can't stay on the field the way they were last year, and the defense is exhausted. Right. You don't see you don't see anybody, anybody come out against the Baltimore Ravens and blow their doors off right out of the bat. No. Doesn't happen. They might score a touchdown here or there. They might get some points in the first half. No big deal. You start seeing that defense slipping up late third quarter, early fourth quarter, when they've been on the field two-thirds of the game, and they got guys like Derrick Henry pounding the ball against them, you know, 25, 30 times. That's when you see them struggle. So this is not a defensive problem. That defense is fine. That defense will be okay. They, 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 they got all the talent. And when you add what that defense could do to the offense we thought we were going to see in Baltimore, I'll admit I was wrong. I thought this was a team that was going to give the Kansas City Chiefs a run for their money. I got some flack in, before the season started from a lot of Chiefs fans. Like, oh, we're still number one. And I was like, yeah, you are. But Baltimore's coming for you. Baltimore's not in the same stratosphere as the Chiefs right now. You got, you got, you got the Steelers and the Chiefs. And I got to level with you, honestly. Steelers fans are going to hate this. I think those team, two teams play. I think the Chiefs have a good chance of beating them. That's a good game, though. I, oh, I'd love to see it. That's and we, we very that's, well, that's we very well made in the playoffs. So they don't, unfortunately, they don't play in the regular season. But I would not be surprised to see that be the kind of the kind of game where people are like, oh, this is going to be great, and now the Chiefs win like thirty-five to ten. That's possible. Um, I, I don't know. Um, I just think they had. Look, they had Mark Ingram command. Nobody really knew what to expect. Nobody knew what to expect from Lamar Jackson year two. Nobody knew uh, what to expect from the receivers. Nobody knew Mark Andrews is going to break out the way he did. And you had all that stuff together, and everything just seemed to go their way. And the fact that Lamar is a freak of an athlete, and I mean that in a complimentary way, not an insult. He is insane with his athletic talent. And they built the offense around him. But when you build an offense like like the Ravens have and teams pick up on it, you have to adjust very quickly. Because when it's all based on two or three tight end sets and it's all based on the quarterback option, teams know you can't throw downfield. Not that Lamar doesn't have the talent to. There's just, like you said, there's no meshing between he and the receivers consistently. That makes a deep threat. If you give them a deep threat, or even if you put Lamar Jackson on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, oh, a different story. Oh my God! Even with a mediocre defense, they're putting up they're putting up Kansas City Chiefs offensive numbers. I mean, it's it's they need to really sit down and say, okay, Lamar, this is working. What are you seeing out there? What's the problem? Because you're saying that they're calling your plays in the huddle. Which means they already know what's coming. And <laughs> I think most teams know what's coming. Because even though the Ravens have had some wins this year, even the bad teams they've played, I mean, they beat up on Cincinnati pretty good because the defense beat up a rookie quarterback. But that offense, it does not take a genius or a football mastermind to look on the field and you know tell the difference between the 2019 Ravens and the 2020 Ravens. It is just not the same team. They need to look within themselves and say, okay, this is what changed. 
if we can't get these players who can execute the same way we did in 2019, we have to take what's working in the playbook, keep it, and adjust the stuff that's not. You're just not going to continue to believe uh, all these quarterback options, read options, play actions, um, even little dump-off passes to Mark Andrews aren't working the same way they were last season. Because you know if the ball goes 15 yards downfield, it's probably not going to be completed. So you really have no fear of that. Right. You have any kind of decent secondary, you have zero fear of the Baltimore passing game. And it's not a matter of being exposed. It's just a matter of teams make adjustments. The Ravens are going to have to make a lot of adjustments on offense. And we knew this would happen with Lamar. They have this. I know we always correlate things with the Patriots, and I promise I'm not going there. Right. Well, I kind of am, but not for long. Those are two very similar teams. Now, pure athleticism, Lamar's got Cam. I'm not denying that. I'm talking just the way they're set up. They seem to have like 10 offensive plays apiece. And when those plays work, like we saw this weekend with the Patriots, they marched right down the field, first drive, scored on Texans. Absolutely. And then from that point on, they struggled. They scored some more points. And then once again, had the you know ball in their hands in the last drive and couldn't get it done. But that's a problem. They are the team that is built on defense and running, and they cannot come back once they fall behind. It doesn't work unless it was against the Jets. But let's face it, that's kind of a mulligan anyways. It's it's If you're going to be a team that's going to compete with Kansas City, you're going to give Lamar that big contract extension that everybody pretty much knows he's going to get. You need to either get some better receivers around him so that deep pass is a threat or get the greatest offensive line in history and just do like a <laughs> – who was it, the college team that just had the triple option all the time, Nebraska? Yeah. They just um, run the ball constantly all the time, over yeah. and over and over. Yeah. Uh, you get the greatest offensive line ever. And to be fair, to be fair, let's not forget, uh, was it Matthew Judon? Matthew Judon just came back. No, he's a defensive player. Yeah. Who am I thinking of? They're offensive linemen. They signed him to a massive contract, then he missed. Then he went out for the rest of the season the following oh, game. Ronnie Stanley? Ronnie Stanley. He's not there. Yep. So that obviously is an impact because he is a a, a, a top-flight offensive lineman who isn't there now. So that obviously has had an effect on them. But you have to be able to make those adjustments. And if you're going to be a premier player, you're going to be on the Madden covers and you're going to be the face of the league and you're going to be a guy who's out there talking about how you're unstoppable, mm-hmm. you got to be able to make those adjustments. And I really like Lamar. I do. I think he, he talks a lot, but I think he's a really good kid. I think he's a really, really talented player. But the coaching staff needs to sit him down and say, okay, let's let's make the next step in your evolution as a starting quarterback. And, and if I'm Lamar Jackson, then I push back, not with the coaching staff. I then shift my direction to the uh, general manager, uh, director of player personnel, whomever, and say, look, if our top receivers – or in this order, Mark Andrews with 38 receptions, Marquise Brown with 32, Willie Sneed with 28, and we're in week 11? We're going to week 12 now, yeah. We're going to week 12. And we are so desperate for receivers. We signed Des Bryant, who hasn't been in the league for two years? At least. To practice squad, and now is promoted him to the um, uh, 40-man. 
and is playing. 40, man? 50. It's okay. <laughs> Wrong sport. Wrong sport. It's all good. Um, I think it's a problem. I think it's... You have to look at them and say, look, we have to... If we're going to evolve the offense past of what it was, first year it worked. It worked, and it worked real well. Three tight ends set. Marquise Brown was getting some love, but he is a rookie, so he needs to develop, but he's there. Mark Ingram having a great season. You didn't evolve the offense. You only... What's the word I'm looking for? Um, fell back with, and I know it, it's what regressed. Regressed. Thank you. That's what I was looking for. And I, and I understand Hayden Hurst wasn't a huge part of the offense, but it's still part of that three tight end set that meant something to that offense, and you don't have it. I think that hurts even more because Hayden Hurst's contributions are replaceable, right? And they didn't. They didn't. I, I think they, I think they actually actively went in and just had Patrick Richard, the fullback. I think, yeah, if I remember correctly when they faced the Patriots, they were using him. Now they, they unfortunately, I think they, I know they lost uh, Nick Boyle in that game. Yeah, I don't know if he came back um, this week or not, but it, it just it compounds an issue with another issue is you just your offensive setup is dictated around the three tight ends and if you lose Mark Nick Boyle now you're down to one legit tight end and you haven't evolved the offense because Marquise Brown um it just not doing it and 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 to your point if the defense knows what's coming you tell me Lamar Jackson has thrown the ball 276 times in 11 games he has a 63% completion percentage. Not good. Uh, Nick Boyle has injuries to his MCL, PCL, and hamstring uh, and yeah, has, yeah. Been, has been placed on season-ending IR. Done. So they are down to one tight end. One legit tight end. Well, far- Would you think I'd be wrong in saying that I don't necessarily blame the players for this? This is a front office issue? Yes, that's that's the whole yeah. argument. I mean, I'm these making. guys are playing. Lamar isn't trying any less hard than he was last year. He's not. Nobody on this Ravens team is slacking. Like These guys want to win. You saw uh, Derek Wolf. What is it, Derek Wolf? I mean, you saw you saw him this past weekend in, in the overtime loss to the Titans when Derek Henry made that last run in the end zone. You just saw him on the ground, and he's just like doubled over. Like, my God, like the defense gets exhausted because the team – the team, they seem to get so excited with Lamar's ability and athleticism, they kind of thought they could just put it all on him no matter what. And no matter who you are, like it doesn't matter who you are. Nobody can do it on their own. No. Nobody can do it on their own. They got to get this kid some receivers. The offensive line will be injured. It's not the front office's fault. They found that you know, Ronnie Stanley is a tremendous offensive lineman, and they gave him an extension to be able to be here to help Lamar and the, and the team in the future, which is great. They drafted running backs because they know Mark Ingram is, you know, he's getting up there. He's been in the league for quite a few years. They have Gus Edwards and, and Dobbins, who Edwards is not exactly Ingram, but he's not bad. He's good in that offense. Dobbins, I think, is a star, a future star. Uh, I think if you have an entire offseason with him as the number one, along with Lamar and a healthy offensive line, you have an entirely different team. So a lot of it's injuries, but a lot of teams deal with injuries. And a lot of teams are still able to win. 
And if the Ravens want to walk around acting like they're the big dogs on the block, they got to make these adjustments. These players got to make plays. And the front office has to give them stuff to work with. You can't just say, Lamar, go run 30 times and, and win us the game. Because he's going to have a very, very short shelf life. That's what they expect him to do. I just, I just, I'm just looking back between this year and last year, and it's just, it's a bit, honestly, it's a, it's a bigger deal than, and maybe Baltimore Ravens think, uh, fans think, that Hayden Hurst is not there. Like, well, it is now, especially with no, with an off, with a star offensive lineman out and no Nick Boyle. Right. Obviously, yeah. But I mean, before that, it, it, it you know, he had thirty receptions for three hundred forty nine yards and two touchdowns. Not eye popping numbers, but you factor that in with with Nick Boyle's numbers and and Mark Andrews' numbers, and now you have different versus different. Each one of those tight ends has just brings a little difference to the setup, and if you don't have all three with a different skill set, and I mean you don't have to have to your point, you don't have to have Hayden Hurst. You need to have someone similar to his skill set. Then now you're putting more on a Mark Andrews, and you're putting more on Nick Boyle, and well now you have Nick Boyle who's out, so now you don't have anybody but Mark Andrews, and now you have to realistically you should have to change your philosophy on offense because you can't run three tight end sets anymore. What's Lamar gonna do? Because you built this offense, and we've said it multiple times this episode, other episodes. You built this offense around Lamar Jackson a certain way. You don't have that setup. It may not work. I think it. You you run it the way you can this off this season, and next off season you need to take that next jump. You say Lamar, what are you thinking? Is it? Do you go out and say, Hey, Kenny Galladay? Here you go. Come on. Come join the Baltimore Ravens. And now you have Kenny Galladay, who potentially could be your one, and now Marquise Brown could be your two, and now you evolve that offense. And you get away from the three tight end set, and you go go to a, a more wide-open, spread offense. You have and now, and now Marquise Brown can just not have to be the guy. He can just develop. And you have other pieces you can utilize – and I just think it would help Lamar more because Lamar works best in space. And if you can spread that field and get those defensive backs and, and safeties spread out more and, and push back more, it's just going to open up possibilities for Lamar Jackson. But you ain't fixing it this this season. No, is Kenny Galladay available? Is he a free He's agent? A free agent. Was he not a well, first round not a pick? First round pick. Oh, okay, I was gonna say it's only no fifth year option, but yeah, not a first round no, pick. No first round pick. That that is the that is the that is what you want from a, a lower tiered round draft pick is just get your stock up and now for you can't give him a fifth year option and you didn't this, want to. This is the analysis you get here on Benny Chris Talk Sports. Know, this is what you want from low picks to become one of the best in the league. You, my friend, have a future on ESPN. I know. I know. All right, we uh. Sound like we're bashing on Lamar, but I think we both have a lot of respect for Lamar. And and I mean, I I, I picked the Ravens. I'm shocked they lost more than two games. Sincerely, I thought they were gonna be 
thought they were going to be a 14 to 2, 15 to 1 team. I thought they were going to be hard pressed to have anybody beat them. And they just do not look like the same team. I just but. think it's more indicative of what the front office didn't do. Oh, they, absolutely. Absolutely. They thought they, thought they were going to come into this season. Oh, we're going we're gonna to run it back. Because you, you see this happen with good teams. Yeah. That's what we're telling, kind of what we're telling Chiefs fans. It's like, yeah, you're all kind of high on the hog now. Wait till a couple of those contracts, a couple of years down the road, start catching up with you, and you can't you can't keep some of these guys. But you know, some teams just think we're going to go with it until we can't. And you know, hey, right now the Chiefs they're going. They all, there's only one team in front of them. But I don't know. If yeah, I'm the well, Ravens. Realistically, the way that everything's set up, I mean, the Patriots the last two decades have been an anomaly. Um, but you know. The way it's set up, that's all you can do. You mm-hmm. run with it when you're hot, and you just try to make it work, and you try to make sure that your rebuilds or your down years aren't too bad. And then you just you try to make the best decisions you can and hope you don't end up like a Jacksonville or the Jets. You know, I'm just saying, Ravens, I like the back end of their schedule. Jacksonville, Giants, and uh, Bengals. So Those are it, all very winnable games. So. Prob- it, well, and, and Cal- sorry, last for the last five, because the Browns, the Browns is going to be a fight, but they have the Cowboys uh, also in there, so it's it's a nice. Yeah, you can. You may not need some teams to lose, but it could, it could get in that scenario, and that Browns that Browns game is going to weigh heavy. All right, let's get in the banker tank. Either. All right. So last week, Ben was four and two. Booyah. Unfortunately for Ben, he wasn't able to get any ground because I was also four and two. That's not good. Uh, well, depends which side of the four and two you're on. Time we're we're out, actually right? both on the same side of the four and two, so that yeah. didn't make a lot of sense. I'm leaving it in. It's almost time for your, uh, you to be mathematically um, incapable of losing, right? No. No, that's a few. That's a few weeks away. That's a few weeks away before I completely crush your soul for this season. Unless, of course, I bomb. Which is highly Possibly. likely, highly likely. I mean, you are the you are the NFC East of the two of us. Why? So, why? Thank you. Um, and then uh, Tammy went two and four. Oof. Uh, rough week, but it's okay. She had some good weeks in the beginning. Uh, overall, for the season, you are twenty nine and thirty seven. Mm-hmm. I am the exact opposite, thirty seven and twenty nine. Uh, so I'm at the point now where I could take a week off, and you could go six and zero, oh, and I'd still be in the lead. I may take a bye week just to let you catch up. Uh, not really. I want to crush your spirit. I was going to say. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And Tammy, 25 and 29. So, uh, yeah. What do you got for this week? All right. So, bank this week. I'm going to go with uh, Derek Carr. I'm going to go Antonio Gibson. And I'm sure I've picked him before. DK Metcalf. Uh, Derek Carr. I'm just going to say. And I'm, I'm pretty sure I've said this before as well. Though this is kind of low-hanging fruit. Atlanta sucks. It's all I gotta say. The hot takes level, never stop on this show. Top level analysis. Yeah. Look, look, I'm not gonna sit here and give you, you know, phrases that are gonna make uh, Derek Carr be all superstar and high. No, Atlanta sucks. Their secondary sucks. There, there's only one team that's worse than them in the uh, passing game uh, against, and that's Seattle. And we've seen how bad Seattle's secondary is, which 
stuns. stuns I, I, yeah, I still, I still think that's that's an alternate reality right there. Yeah. Um, I have no reason to think that uh, Derek Carr is not going to light them up. And this is counter to last week when I picked them to tank. All right. Who you got? For me, I have MVP candidate Josh Allen. Okay. Uh, the entirety of the Philadelphia Eagles offense, Miles Sanders. And Justin Jefferson. I'm going to go with Sanders. Um, there He's facing that aforementioned worst defense in the league, the Seattle Seahawks. And he's only got a 15.3 point projection as of now. It usually changes later in the week by, you know, a tenth of a point or so. Uh, but I mean, he, I mean, the rush defense isn't as bad as their pass defense, but lucky for Mr. Sanders, he is also a very talented receiver out of the backfield. There is one problem, though. What? Carson Wentz. Well, I mean, that's in general. But uh, it, it's not really bad for Sanders because whether they're they're up or down, he's going to be used because he catches out of the backfield. He runs out of the backfield. Uh, and um, Carson Wentz and, and, and um, Doug Peterson, for whatever reason, Travis Fogelm looked like a star in the making. And they had just decided it was working for a month. Let's stop throwing to him. So apparently Fogum's just out of the equation. And Sanders is going to get a lot of opportunities. I think he's talented enough, even with a, de- with a mediocre offensive line and a bad quarterback, to, you know, beat the projection. So Someone, I'm going to go with him. Someone's got to get points, right? Yeah, someone's got it. I mean, you would think. Someone needs to get yards. You would think. It's got to be somebody. It is an NFC East team, so they may just tie a zero. Can I just say, I hope, I hope, Miles, I hope, if you can hear me, I hope soon you're just going to be out of Philly for the sake of your career. Uh, it's going to have to be at least three years. I can, I'm, I'm hoping for him. I'm hoping for him. All right, who got the tank besides the Eagles? I, I, I mean, uh, obviously the low-hanging fruit would be Carson Wentz, uh, but I'm not going you with him. You can't choose him every week. I haven't. Fact. I have not chosen him, chosen him once You've not choosed him one I time? Know, I am so off today. I have not cho- I have not chosen him once. You almost did it again. <laughs> not once this season. Yet. I still have a chance. Doug Peterson wishes he could say the same thing. Uh, no, he is staying with him. That's a knee-jerk reaction. Um, even though he sucks to leave him, pick him out of the game. Yes. Uh, uh, Phil we Griffin. definitely didn't draft a quarterback in the first round to replace him. No. <laughs> not, not at all. Uh, so I'm going to go with uh, Philip Rivers to tank. Uh, Ronald Jones. And Robbie Anderson. So, I'm, I'm going to look at, at Phillip. The Titans, they, they lost to the Colts two weeks ago. And I think they were on that high. The Titans I'm talking about. They were on a high, and they, they, they thought they were going to really just hand the rock to Derrick Henry and say, let's go. Let's get to the playoffs. And it didn't work that week. Now, they came back this past week, and they won. Uh, Arizona, right? Or was it? No, Baltimore. Yeah. Baltimore. I think that I think this week will start the run for the Titans, that they're just going to steamroll the rest of the way to the division title. Uh, it's going to start in it start, it's gonna start in Indy, because that's where they're playing this week. I think Phillip is going to have issues and with Derrick Henry running the ball consistently he's not going to see the field all that much this week I would not bank I would not even 24.9 points 
It's going to be a rough week for him, I think. All right. For me, I have – sorry, Lamar, I hate doing this to you. I have Lamar Jackson, James Robinson, and Chris Godwin. I'm going to go – I'm going to highlight Chris Godwin. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I love Chris Godwin as a receiver. Great talent. Great talent. Unfortunately, the Bucks think they have to have every decent receiver in the league. Uh, they bring in Antonio Brown. All he did was cut into a consistency that Brady was developing with Scotty Miller, Chris Godwin, and Mike Evans. I mean, Brady spreads the ball around, but he seems incapable of throwing to uh, breaking it up. Like, he can't just go Evans, Godwin, Brown, Evans. Like, he has, like, it's almost like drives. Like, okay, it's your turn, Mike Evans. Where he's just going to throw deep to Mike Evans three times no matter what. Or he's going to throw to Chris Godwin, triple covered. Uh, three times no matter what, or it's Antonio Brown's turn to do two screens and a deep route. Like, the, Kansas City's going to be able to score on Tampa Bay. It's not going to be a problem. Kansas City could score on a brick wall. Uh, Godwin has an 11.2-point projection, but the chances that he's going to be able to make the most of his opportunities against what is a very good an underrated, well, they've struggled the last few weeks. They played, but an underrated Chiefs defense, uh, I doubt it. They're going to be able to pressure Brady. Godwin still has that cast on his hand. That played a part this past week. Uh, so the fact of Brady under pressure, probably coming from behind, uh, we all saw the great decisions he made yesterday. Oh, yeah. Or uh, if you're listening to this two days ago on Monday Night Football. Uh, just looked awful at times, especially the entirety of the second half pretty much. So the fact that he's going to be able to go out there and, and, and hit his projection with a quarterback under pressure, a quarterback trying to come from behind, and, oh, by the way, it has to be his turn in the rotation. All that has to line up. Uh, there, there's, I just don't think there's any way Godwin hits it, not against his team, not the way they're playing. Um, you might get good Brady because it's not a primetime game, but even if you do – He's probably just going to throw 15 times to Mike Evans down, you know, 40 yards downfield. So, I, I just, yeah, I was just, just as a side note, like I'm looking at Scotty Miller's numbers, and did he even play this weekend? I, I didn't, I don't know. He has collectively in the past three weeks, he's got four targets and two catches. Like, yeah, and there were some games early happened? in the season where he was the number one receiver. I mean, not on paper, right? But statistically, it was working. So what do we do? Well. Tom Brady, the de facto offensive coordinator of the Buccaneers, told his told his assistant Bruce Arians that we're higher. <laughs> we're bringing Antonio Brown in. Do, do you know who had the most targets this this past game? That's Antonio Brown. It did. Yeah, he had more than Evans, more than Godwin. Yeah, and it didn't work. So what's that tell you? It's like I I, I don't understand. I know I don't want to dig too deep into it because I know we're doing banker tag. I just, I just don't understand. What they're doing, why they need so many players. Antonio Brown, 13 targets. Chris Godwin, 10. Mike Evans, 9. Gronk had 6. And then you go downhill. There's no Scotty Miller. There's no Tyler Johnson. There's, there's Cameron Brate is an afterthought now. And imagine if O.J. Howard was healthy. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. That... Look, the Bucks are look. They're seven and four, so I'm not trying to act like they're not. They're they're not. You know, doing well or being competitive. But let's face it, they're a seven and four. But this team has not looked good at points this year. 
realistically, they could have very easily lost to the uh, Panthers. They could have very easily lost to the Chargers. They should have lost to the Chargers in reality. This is not a team that has just gone out and dominated. They've, they've had their struggles. They didn't look great against the Giants for three and a half quarters. Right. I mean, this is not a team that's looked great. They are a very good example of how you get a couple of stars in the right positions and then some really good role players can be a far, far, far better team than a bunch of stars when you're trying to feed all those egos. They're 0-2 against the Saints. Yeah. And they have two games in division, both against the Falcons. That can go either way. Game of the week. Um, I went Titans versus the Colts. I know it's a little low-hanging fruit. I think this this game, because it's, uh, it's their second meeting, and Jacksonville and Houston, I don't think, are going to play into the the playoff picture like they did. The Titans did, or the, the Texans did last year. It was a a three per, a three team race last year. I don't think they're going to factor in this year. It's this is this is going to be the determination of the division title. And conversely, the team that loses could be could potentially be on the outside looking in for the rest of the season because th- th- it is a tight. What is it? Uh, five through like eight in the seat in the five through eight at five through nine in the seating as far as um playoffs are concerned like the wild card you, you need and i know it's kind of obvious to say you need to win every game you're going to need to win every game and if and if you're tennessee you lose this game you need to win almost every single game to make sure you can keep status quo and make the playoffs because ravens are right there dolphins are there patriots believe it or not are still on the outside, potentially looking in because they still have a a hope and a prayer. I would keep playing what they did last uh, last week, but I, I, don't, I can't explain last week. Who do you got? I got the Chargers and the Bills. Interesting. Uh, last time I went with the Bills, it was the Bills and Cardinals game, and they did not they did not let me down. Was it that was a good game? Oh yeah, that was the uh, that was the. Uh, sorry, oh yeah, yeah. Sorry. Well, you can't say you're off all day and expect you to pick up on that. I so. know, I know. Um, yeah, the, Justin Herbert, Josh Allen, two guys who have their offense humming, um, two decent running games, two defenses that are very hit or miss. I think the final score will be 125-123. Uh, Josh Allen will kick a field goal as time expires. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, that's all obviously a joke, but uh, I think it'll be an exciting game, and it could come down to the last possession. I think – just about every Chargers game has this season. Uh, so, I mean, talk about a team. Talk about the Patriots having a ball in their hand with uh, <laughs> with with uh, the game on the line. I think the Chargers lost all six of their games by, uh, God, was it, by like, by like 14 points total? I mean, that's that sucks for them. But there's but, a difference. It's you got a young quarterback versus a veteran. Oh, yeah. That's different directions for sure. Herbert, Herbert's... You're you're in that division. You're scared because if that's what that kid's doing yeah. now, what's he gonna do in a couple of years? Yeah, I told you, him, Burrow, and Tua. This is gonna be one of the better QB drafts in recent memory. But it's gonna be a good game. I'd have to say, I'd have to go with the Bills to win just because more experience. But again, Herbert and the Chargers have gone through a lot of injuries this season. Herbert's proved he's a leader, and he's gonna be unless he implodes, he's gonna be the rookie of the year. 
So I, I think yeah, he's got the, he's got it by a stranglehold now, and it's it's. If that poor kid gets hurt, I'm never complimenting another young player again, because obviously we're jinxing him. So. Yeah. We got our fingers crossed here. It's not what we're trying to do. We're just trying to give you analysis. But I knock on wood, but I don't want to yeah. disrupt the the flow. All right. Well, that's gonna do it for uh, for that segment. Anything else? Are you good? Uh, I'm all set. All right. Well, if you would like to ask Ben or I any questions or have any comments on this episode or any previous episodes of Ben and Chris Talk Sports, Ben and I would love to hear from you. And where can they get in touch with us? Well, you can hit us up on Twitter. That's at BCTS Pod. Hit us up on the website, bctspod.com, or our Facebook page, Ben and Chris Talk Sports. We'd like to wish everybody out there recording this on Tuesday night a very, very happy Thanksgiving. Uh, we, pre- we appreciate all your support. Downloads again, still doing great. Going up, please help us spread the word if you feel so inclined. Leave us a rating and review on whatever, whatever podcast platform you listen to us. Uh, it gets back to us, and we always like hearing from you guys. And yeah, our bonus episode is still on the way. There's been a lot of, of uh, happenings recently, but it is on the way. Like we said, better late than never. That's actually going to be our tagline now for that episode. For Ben, I am Chris. Please stay safe, stay healthy, have a happy Thanksgiving, and we will see you all here next Wednesday. Thank you.